Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Podcast. The podcast where we take a certain genre, director, actor of the silver screen, and we talk about their best example, their worst example, and those movies that are such a disaster, but you love them anyway. (laughs) My name is Micah. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. Guys, I almost, for the ugly, to introduce the ugly, I almost said movies that are really bad, but they have made a deep impact in your life. <laughs> but you didn't pick deep deep impact. I didn't. No, that's true. I didn't. I was really hoping your ugly descriptor was going to be something like movies that are out of this world. Oh, <laughs> there's so many good so puns many. that can be made because today we are talking about meteor movies. And not movies that are meteor, like bigger. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> movies that are about meteors. And also to classify that, what is a meteor? Well, I'll answer that for you. Thanks, Micah. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> the scientific definition of a meteor is <laughs> the passage of a meteoroid, comet, or asteroid into the Earth's atmosphere. Millions of meteors burn up in the atmosphere every year. It's also known as a shooting star. But these movies, these movies are concerned with meteors that create a disastrous event and not movies involving meteors in the plot. And that is why Charles were not doing Meteor Man. Ah, uh, yes, I did. I mentioned that last. I was gonna say it feels like a long time since our last podcast. I'm not gonna lie, I forgot I mentioned that. Yes. So I mean, there there are lots of disaster movies, and I can't just say disaster. That can be a genre in itself. We gotta go. I mean, we gotta have more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so oh, we got plenty left. <laughs> we can break it down to earthquake disaster movies. You know, tidal wave disaster movies. And whatever. Speaking of that, I'm hoping we do some follow up films. I'm, I'm wanting some. You know, a sequel to the tearjerker one, maybe. I'm wanting some good stuff to follow up on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because we should definitely, we, there's a lot in our first year that I'm like, you know what? There's some definite spinoffs to that. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. We should do a remake of our remake episode. That'd be fun. So, the reason why you're really here, not just here, is on. We're doing Meteor movies this week, and the picks are in chronological order Meteor from 1979. Armageddon from 1998 and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World from 2012. It's a pretty wide range in years there. Indeed. It is a wide range, yes. Um, I like to broaden my horizons. Now that one, that pun didn't work. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking space don't even, horizon. Don't even know what you're going okay. for there. I was trying to think of more space puns, but it didn't work. So let's first talk about, uh, well, let me go and tell you, this is a preface to all my picks. My picks are kind of like the three bears. One is too slow, one is too fast, and one is just right. So let's start with... <laughs> Can I say before you start that I have no idea which is which? Really? Oh, I do. Oh, I thought I was showing my cards with this one. I don't know. I have no idea which one you like, didn't like, ugly. Really? Yeah, really, truly. Okay. Interesting. I'm totally lost on this well, let, one. Well, let's start with 1979's Meteor. What do you guess it is, Charles? I'm going to guess you, this is probably your bad. What do you guess? I guess bad as well. You're absolutely right. It's the bad pick. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, But I, it wouldn't have been my bad, and that's what was confusing about it for me. Okay, so Meteor, made in 1979. The director is Ronald Neem. He also did Poseidon Adventure. Mm-hmm. And Which is uh, awesome. Starring Sean Connery, Natalie Wood, Martin Landau, and also, I want to put this out here, Richard Dysart. Uh, he had a very small role in this, but he actually passed away just a, 
a little over a year ago. Which one is he again? Who was he in the movie? He was one of the president's advisors. Mm. Um, he was also in The Thing, if that helps you. Gotcha. And also, speaking of the president, the president was played by Henry Fonda. Yes, yes. president was played by Henry Fonda. So, <laughs> um, sorry, Mr. Dysart, we're going to completely trash your movie now. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie, a brief synopsis of it is basically a comet comes in contact with an asteroid. The asteroid is hurtling towards Earth. And Sean Connery, who is a former NASA scientist, is the only hope by helping um, bridge diplomatic relations between the USSR and the USA to turn their nuclear missiles that are in space around and shoot them towards the comet. That's the basics of the plot. Yes. I will start off by saying... This, I was expecting, oh, because uh, here, I'm, you know, you guys are not going to be surprised about this, but I hadn't really, I had seen Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, and I saw Armageddon when I was in fifth grade, but aside from that, I haven't seen it since, and I had never seen Meteor. I was thinking Meteor might be your ugly, because it's such a star-studded cast, I'm like, okay, okay, this is this is how it's gonna play I out. I think it but, should be. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how I felt. It's so slow, and it it's like oh. there's all these amazing people in it. How can it be bad? But it, and then that's the thing. It's almost this is a weird comment, but comment comment I don't know. <laughs> uh, comment. Um, I'll enunciate on that just to, just to clarify for the people out there. But it's a weird comment because I was actually thinking it's almost too realistic in the sense that. You know, like the other movies, they have all these crazy action things. This one, it's so drawn out. It's so much about uh-huh. the behind the scenes and, and just diplomatic actions and what you have to. And I'm like, okay. You almost kind of wish the meteor would just hurry up and get here. Yeah. And, yes. and there were the few scenes where it did crash and blow up. And those were actually really well done. Like, would you not agree the effects were really good when it, you know, when it was hitting like New York and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When it, when it was. Yeah. The, the, the blowing up the models. Yeah. The yeah, fragments. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't I, agree you, I mean, with you, you agree, that. Kelly? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the effects were really good. Yeah. They're pretty good. I mean, you know, the, the the rockets heading towards it, which I know you're going to talk about the plot. I'm going to talk about the rockets. Yeah. Can I say something off? You guys are not going to agree with me. This is just a Charles thing. But did the Russian rockets look like giant sex toys flying in space? <laughs> Charles. Oh, Charles. <laughs> no, no one had that thought. Was there also a prostitution angle that you want to talk about? <laughs> Whenever I talked about prostitution, when did that come up? <laughs> I don't remember this. Which episode? Remind me. But I'm sorry, I meant there, pornography. That's it. Whoa. That's it. Well, hold on. Speaking of... <laughs> you love prostitution and pornography and you're... There was a small little shot. This is one of my favorite shots in the movie of uh, two prostitutes in the subway. <laughs> after, you know, everything's, everything's you know, going crazy above on the surface and they're like huddled together, you know, freaking out. And it has this one shot of these two prostitutes and they're just smacking their gum. <laughs> just looking around. And it, uh, it's, it really takes you out of the moment. But yeah. uh, so it is slow. Felt, it is very, but very But I felt slow. like they edited the impact of the rockets at the end almost like a sex scene we'll we'll, we'll okay. get we'll get to that uh, but i feel like the movie is really more about soviet american relations and every once in a while it's kind of like we interrupt this typical diplomatic negotiation movie for a disaster scene yes totally agree you know because all it is is well russia says this and then it has them at the un and they go 
I'll have to speak with my advisors about that. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's more negotiation and then some science happening over here. And and you left out Carl Malden as a a big role in this one, too, Mm -hmm. as one of the advisors, so... Yeah, he's the NASA. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a major character in this. One it's a NASA great guys. cast. It is. It really is. And you got Sean Connery, which I mean, he was at the top of his game, sort of. You know, by that time. So yeah, this is post uh, James Bond. It just it's so it's <laughs> it's it's amusing to me that this is such a bad movie because there's so many things that it honestly reminds me a lot of our discussion about the phantom menace and how there's there's so there's potential there for the diplomacy aspect to be interesting but it's just so boring and they focus way too much on that when there's a five mile meteor crashing towards earth but even (laughs) that is like there's the scene where he's talking to the president and he's like true or false russia has the exact equivalent and he's like true and I was thinking, like, okay, so both of these countries have these things they've built, and we're just going to kind of gloss over that, and we're going to reveal all this top-secret information. And it, it 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 was super slow and boring watching that, but at the same time, I didn't even feel like they did that justice. Like, they, this is not how this would go, so why are we wasting our time watching this? Mm-hmm. And, of course, in any kind of these movies, you have that one character played by uh, Martin Lando, who's the government guy that... You know, he, he just thinks all oh, this is ridiculous and why are we wasting our time? And and at the end, he gets his comeuppance, you know, and yeah. gets gets killed. And but uh, it's it, it's so you can predict things a mile away in this mm-hmm. movie. You know exactly what's going to happen. I did not see the river of chocolate coming. So. <laughs> right. That kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> For those of you that haven't seen this movie, which is probably most people listening, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's really the. Basically, what happens is the the meteor breaks off into fragments before the main part is about to hit, and uh, the fragments just so happen to hit Manhattan, where they are in an underground. The science NASA scientists are in this underground bunker, <laughs> and of course, the bunker collapses. And and because uh, it can't be a disaster movie without some type of you know. They can't be in just a safe place. No. And uh, so Sean Connery and crew have to evacuate and the Hudson River starts flooding in these underground tunnels. But the Hudson, <laughs> it looks like a river of chocolate. Yeah. I know it's supposed to be mud. It's muddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looks like a river of chocolate. <laughs> that they're, It's like Willy Wonka was next door, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, and I read something about how hard that was to shoot, actually. Cause it's like they're covered in it. You know, they're slipping and sliding. It's, it's insane. And apparently they they had to in between takes like they they had to get new cotton balls for their ears and wash out their eyes and Sean Connery was swept underneath the water for a while. Oh, Natalie Wood was almost sucked into one of the pumps and it's uh, interesting. Yeah. So, because um, she had a fear of water, right? Like truly, like she, I think she was like terrified of water. Didn't she drown? That, well, that's I'm saying that's how she died oh, too. Okay. But yeah. I really think in real life she was terrified of water. Oh wow! Yeah. Speaking of Natalie Wood, I thought it was kind of amusing that she was this Russian interpreter, but then she would kind of shift in and out of her, a Russian accent and a regular British accent. A British like, accent, yeah. But in real life, she was Russian, right? She, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Her her parents were Russian immigrants. Yeah, so she, she changed spoke, her name. She really is Russian. Oh, she really, I is, see, I well, she really that. is Russian. But why in the world is she going to a British accent? Why didn't she speak English with a Russian accent? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and since we're talking about Natalie Wood and uh, Natalie Wood's character, let's talk about probably the the one 
thing I really like about this movie is the fact that Sean Connery, <laughs> old James Bond, is constantly trying to seduce a woman, even though the end of the world is coming. He's still trying to just get in her pants. Yeah, <laughs> and time. she's having none of it. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's it gets kind of funny because you know she comes in like, oh hello, you're translating for us. <laughs> you know, he just gets very James Bond in that uh-huh. moment. But the rest of the movie, I really didn't feel like he was James Bond. This did feel like a different character. It did. It did. It's, it's almost like he's... a it's like a poor man's James Bond. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was written so poorly, his dialogue was bad, and he was just grumpy. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the climax of the movie, the when the meter blows up. Which, like I said, I think it was edited suggestively. Like I think it was edited like a sex scene because like it's like building, building, building to the climax, and these these sex you know sex toys are flying at it with these red tips. I did not see that at Nor all. Nor did I. But I, what, one thing I did see was the, and I counted it, guys. I mean, I, I timed it. The minute and 20 second explosion. <laughs> Literally, that is on the screen. It does not move for one minute and 20 seconds. The red cloud one? Yeah. 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 But it was just so, it was boring. It got to a point where you're just like, just blow up. You know, <laughs> come on. What do you... <laughs> Well, because they kept getting further away. It's like, I thought the rockets were getting closer uh-huh. and they were further away. And then yeah. when it got close, it's like, boom, 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 And then it's, you know, it definitely had a rhythm to it where they were doing like a like a Michael Bay style editing, like a million shots a second. Yeah. You know? And then there was one that was just like, <laughs> with the, the red tip of the uh, Russian rocket and the white tip of the American rocket. And it was just red, white, red, white, red, white, white, white. It was, it was a little... Suggestive? It, no, uh, no. I was going to say it was a little... The editing, they could have made a much better editing choices, basically. Let's talk real quick about the science of it. In each one of these movies, I am going to talk a little bit about the science of it because there's a lot of science involved here. Um, now, as far as a comet hitting an asteroid, what are the chances of a, a, a an American spaceship actually being right there at that moment? It's kind of ridiculous, but this is more geography than anything. The Earth, and I looked up all these facts. The Earth is 3,959 miles, you know, big, wide, whatever. Manhattan. Science. (laughs) Science (laughs) and words. Manhattan is 13 miles in length. Okay. Why is it that in all of the Earth in these disaster movies, the fragment only hits Manhattan? And the the guy from uh, the UK comes on and he goes, it looks like it's coming right for you. <laughs> like the comet's like, oh, I know what those NASA guys are up to. Here, I'm going to take them out. NASA's only 13 miles long? Or not NASA, uh, Manhattan? Yeah. That seems tiny. Yeah. I, I take it that it's your, what your point is, but... Yeah. No, oh. that's a, that's a what. Okay, that's what the internet told me. So okay, and it never <laughs> Sorry, lies. Sorry, New Yorkers, if that's not right. <laughs> you can throw your bagels at us later. All right, so wow. let's move on to the next movie chronologically. Fast forwarding twenty years, Armageddon, nineteen ninety eight. What do you think? I'm gonna guess ugly. I guess I'm gonna guess ugly. I guess I'll guess ugly. It is my ugly. Directed by Michael Bay. The writers, and the, there are many writers on this movie, if you, if you hadn't guessed that. The writers are Tony Gilroy and J.J. Abrams. 
two very accomplished <laughs> screenwriters. Just throwing that out there. Starring Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and a whole bunch of other people from the 90s. Yep. Uh, I don't even want to get started in everybody. It is a great cast too, though. It is. It's a power. It's a powerful cast, and I think that with a better um, script, that these guys could have done some pretty cool stuff. Because I mean, if you actually look at it, most of them are award winning. You know, you, Ben Affleck's award winning. Billy Bob Thornton is award winning. Um, so the biggest pro to this one, the reason why it's you know one of my favorites, is the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's a it's a really fun movie. So this is one that screwed me up because I didn't know if you would count this as your. This is the one that I could not determine. Is it good, bad, or ugly? Well, until you took off bad for me, and I was like, well, if it's between this one and the other one, it's got to be your ugly. With but. all of its faults, it's a lot of fun. But let us recount the faults <laughs> of Armageddon, shall we? Let us. Did you give a synopsis? Oh, okay. The, the synopsis is an asteroid is headed towards Earth. The only hope for Earth is a group of oil roughnecks roughnecks yeah um drillers they they they're expert drillers they're best at what they do so nasa trains them to go up and uh drill an 800 foot um is that 800 feet Mm -hmm. yeah 800 foot hole and stick a nuclear weapon in there and blow it up yep that's it so isn't it easier wouldn't it have been easier to train astronauts to do that than Train drillers to be astronauts? Yeah. Well, apparently... <laughs> These jelly beans are delicious. <laughs> According to Bruce Willis, drilling is a science and you can't just teach it overnight. So Because NASA doesn't know anything about science. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Being an astronaut is totally easy. So, uh, let's see. I, I said at the beginning of the preface was uh, that my bad was too slow. My ugly is too fast. This is a fast, fast movie. I mean, even though, yeah, it's like two and a half hours long, mm-hmm. it's just the movement is fast. The co- camera is constantly moving. Even in, you know, menial things that they're doing, you know, they're just sitting there having a cup of coffee and the camera is flying around <laughs> them. I would imagine if they had a, if, if this podcast was directed by Michael Bay, you know, it wouldn't just be Kelly saying, you know, what is your ugly pick? You know, she'd be leaning in and the camera would be <laughs> zooming in on her face and the light would be perfect from both ways. The average shot in this, I looked this up, the average shot is um, one and a half seconds. Wow. Yeah. There's no long shots, uh, really, to say. And uh, also, I, I posted a picture on Twitter a couple of uh, a couple of days ago saying I was I preparing it. for it. Mm-hmm. The reason I posted that one, I, I picked out that frame, because I remember when I watched this, I was in high school when I watched this, in the theaters, and we all flocked to the theaters a couple of times to see Titanic and Armageddon and those big movies, and uh, I remember the first time seeing it in the theater, when that shot came up, I didn't even know anything about film then, I went, that's a little too much, <laughs> because it's a shot basically of it's Bruce Willis and his crew and they're all in this like hero pose uh-huh and they're they're talking about the armadillo the the ATV I guess you can call it and, and the camera like pans in really close to him and his line is well let's take a look at what she's got that's all he says but it makes it look like he's you know giving you know the Gettysburg address <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh 
you f- I feel like you need a, like a Red Bull to watch this, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to keep yeah. up with it. It I will say though, I really was crying pretty pretty heavily at the end. Yeah. I'll admit it. I was I got to break that promise, baby. Yeah, it's, I was like, it's oh, got the feels. Bruce. Yes. It you know it definitely knows it's got the feels. It, it Michael Bay for for what he's worth, he he can elicit emotion. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do that. And and there's that that scene that uh um when he's saying goodbye to her that that's a powerful scene man i have chills right now just thinking about it and when and when he's when he's taken ben affleck's place and they're kind of saying goodbye to each other through the Uh thingy and i love you you've always been a son to me and also the fact that she keeps calling him daddy after you know and calling him uh harry harry for so long yeah uh yeah it's 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 got a lot of powerful stuff and a lot of the images too the way he shoots it are really powerful i mean looking back on it the whole um, it's like what did the 1950s come out to celebrate <laughs> you, you know that the <laughs> and one one shot too and the, actually this was my wife that pointed this out uh after the after it's destroyed and everybody's celebrating in the street in their 1950s clothes <laughs> these kids are running down uh the the road and they've got these handmade rockets built <laughs> Laura pointed out, when did they have time to make those? In their bunker? Yeah, right. <laughs> Was there arts and crafts time in their bunker? Hey, just in case the astronauts win, kids, let's make a boxcar uh, space shuttle. <laughs> maybe maybe they did, Micah. Maybe so that's exactly what happened. which 98 uh, meteor movie did you like more? Deep Impact or Armageddon? Uh, well, you know what? To be... I, I I rewatched Deep Impact because I, I did I saw both in the theaters when they came out and I rewatched Deep Impact recently, and I would describe it like this: Deep Impact is the chill brother. It's like the you know <laughs> if you got you got a party brother and you've got the study brother you know or whatever or the smart brother. It's like the smart book nerd brother of Armageddon because <laughs> they're basically the same movie. They really are. They're basically the same movie, same plot same goal the astronauts have the same goal but at least armageddon has this going for it you're following one group of people you know you're following harry and his team and then the nasa team that's working with them deep impact has too many stories going on you know it's got but it has morgan freeman as a president which is amazing it really is <laughs> the wadas receded <laughs> Clarice, Clarice. <laughs> That's my Morgan Freeman. All the, all the silent Clarice. But still, the waters receded. <laughs> totally. Hannibal Lecter, I'm sorry. We need somebody that can do a Morgan Freeman so that every time we have a Morgan Freeman reference, we can come in. No, I like your Hannibal Lecter, Morgan yeah. Freeman, so. Yes. Hannibal Freeman. Hannibal Freeman. Hannibal Freeman. <laughs> Morgan so, Lecter. Let's, guys, let's play a little game. Let's play a little game here. All right. It's called Why. <laughs> We're starring Armageddon. Why? Here's a few questions. That's why? Seinfeld of you. <laughs> why is the public not alarmed about space rocks destroying Manhattan? In the beginning of the movie, space rocks destroy most of the major buildings in Manhattan, and it's pretty obvious. That, I mean, there's big chunks of rock. Nobody seems to care. 
No, the public is really? alarmed. I felt, I felt like they did care. <laughs> no, no. Like the taxi got the, the guy in the taxi at the beginning. Was... Yeah, well, I mean, they were they were freaking out. Yeah, but I mean, the mass public didn't say, "Hey, U.S. government, why are there rocks destroying the city, falling from the sky?" They kept it hush hush for a long time. Seems like it'd be pretty public after that. Why doesn't the president have the best astrophysicist on his aerospace advisory board? Why did they have to put that in? Oh, well, of course, I know the president's advisor, and he got a C-minus in astrophysicist. (laughs) Could they not find anybody better? Why (laughs) is it when Bruce and Liv are, you know, I'm just going to call them Bruce and Liv. That's who they are. Bruce and Liv are taken off the rig. It takes 18 hours for them to travel. Why is it that it takes his crew the same amount of time to scatter across the continental U.S.? Follow-up question. Why is it all of the oil rig crew just gives the peace out sign when the boss just up and leaves for a little bit? He never says where he's going. He never says, hey, guys, I'm probably going to be gone with some top secret NASA things. So you guys just go ahead and get out off this rig. No, for all they know, he could be going to a meeting offshore for 30 minutes. But no, they all say, well, he's gone. Let's go back to our whatever, wherever we are, South Dakota and Las Vegas. That is weird. And also, why is it that Ben is able to found, fund, and be the president of his own oil rig drilling business 18 to maybe 24 hours after he leaves the rig? That's the most compelling question of all. (laughs) I, I really thought I had missed something when that happened. Here's another question I wrote down, going back to yours earlier. Why can't astronauts operate a drill? Uh, why do they need to refuel at the Russian space station to get to the moon? I mean, Apollo missions didn't have to refuel. They're going to the moon. These are very, very good questions. Yes. I'm sure our listeners are intrigued. Why is Steve Steve Buscemi so hard on the pilot? Remember when he starts freaking out? Well, Top Gun here overshot our landing blow. So hard on him. (laughs) Wasn't the pilot kind of busy trying to oh, dodge the deadly hurling asteroids coming their way to not really pay attention to where to land on this foreign terrain? Indeed. Why is the uh, why is the military trying to blow up the nuke? Didn't they already determine that it wouldn't work? That was kind of the whole plot in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> if you blow it up on the surface, it's not going to do anything. Well, they're trying to split it. But they already said they already determined they already said let's go ahead with this drill because we've determined if it's on the surface it's not going to do anything to the oh why is Paris destroyed (laughs) (laughs) I mean what do you got against Paris Michael Bay you know it's like the asteroids coming anyway it's like another section broke off and here it is it's destroying Paris now let's get back up to the asteroid And then, of course, why is it a good plan to break the asteroid into two parts so it'll fly around the Earth? (laughs) If they blow it up, wouldn't there might be another big chunk that still stays in the middle and still comes to Earth? You would think that. No, well, that was that whole, the line they couldn't cross that they got, like, seconds of crossing. Yeah, but they know nothing. It seems like they know nothing about this asteroid, and all of a sudden they know that if they drill 800 feet, it's just going to perfectly sandwich apart. (laughs) They're scientists, man. And they have that voiceover that comes on. It's like, it's going to clear us by 400 miles. They're scientists that don't know how to operate a drill. Yes. But they know what the broken asteroid will piece into. Yeah. But the pro, here's the biggest pro of the movie, guys. I could stay awake just to hear you breathe. 
And oh, I mean, isn't it going? great? No, yeah. no, no, that's all I'm going to do. But isn't it great? It was. It I great? was. I was digging the Aerosmith tunes it throughout it the whole thing. I never were actually want to hear that movie out in or hear that song out in public or you know actually have it on my iPod. But in the context of that movie, it's just like ah, the 1998 feels are coming back. You know. Yep. I love that song. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. I was like, that's Aerosmith? Wow. I just want to put my Birkenstocks on again and mm-hmm. jump khaki in my... Ni- yeah, my khaki cargos jump in my 95 Pathfinder. And- <laughs> yes. Hey, did you know that NASA actually uses this movie uh, as a test to the people that are applying to... Th- or people that are training? What are they testing? They have to find all the inconsistencies. Okay. Oh, and also my my favorite science fact. This is the science section. My favorite science fact. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the science section. (laughs) My favorite science fact of this movie is space dementia. (laughs) Oh, no, he's got space dementia. (laughs) It's a legitimate illness. What is space dementia? How is it different than regular dementia? It only affects you in space. That's right. Deterioration of the brain, but only in space. <laughs> I like it. I can't say. I it. love Armageddon. I yeah. love it. I don't hate this movie. Yeah. It's, so, it's so horrible, but I love it. I, I love it. Armageddon. But that, that's what ugly is, you know? That's exactly what ugly is, yeah. Oh, Armageddon. I so. just. Liv Tyler is. I don't know if she's a great actress or not, but I just, she's just so compelling. <laughs> the, the jury's still out. The jury's still out on it's the quality. 20 years later. Yeah. It's almost 20 years old. We still haven't figured out. Liv Tyler's a good actress in this movie or not. But she's just so... She's she kind of looks the same in every movie still. <laughs> she's very tremulous. And she's... she's Ooh, very, nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, she just has that kind of like quivery vulnerability about her like yeah. i don't care what's happening to you i feel sorry for you Liv. <laughs> okay so let's move on to oh, did you want to say one was, more thing no about she, again? She, no no just Liv tyler was great in lord of the rings does that count she was a great she Arwen. was great so tremulous yeah yeah i'm just no i'm just saying she, if anything those movies said that she could act yes yeah. that's a, fair point i was trying to be fair to Liv tyler yes, yes. ending on a sour note there you are correct I got nothing against all the all the actors, all the performances in this movie. I think they were doing what they were hired to do. I, yeah. I've got nothing against them. They they delivered the cheesy dialogue as best they could. Yep. So, uh, let's talk about 2012's Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. And I see out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> Charles is shaking his head. But let me get through this real quick. Let me get through the synopsis real quick. Uh, it, it's currently on Netflix. So the director and writer is Lorene Scafaria. She also did Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I've never seen it, but just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, so more stuff. Uh, so it stars Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. And uh, the synopsis is basically after uh, a meteor is sent towards Earth and after NASA's failed attempt. Uh, Steve Carell's character's wife just panics and up and leaves him. That's the very first shot. And so Steve Carell is still trying to live his normal life in this absurd world around him that people are affected differently from this impending disaster. And he meets his uh, downstairs neighbor, uh, quirky uh, Kira Knightley. And um, Steve Carell decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something I've never done, which is deliver or tell my high school sweetheart the girl i really loved how i feel and so she sets off with him to go find her and 
the adventure ensues. Mm -hmm. So first, I want to ask Charles, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. I don't... Oh, and this is my good, by the way. (laughs) So on all three of your movies, the reason I didn't know what you would think is because I'm kind of neutral about all of them, really. There's none that... I mean, I guess the worst one is Meteor, but I'm just kind of neutral about most of them, including this one. This, for one, you know... I think the way it's shot is beautiful. I think some of the dialogue, I think the plot is great. But there's something off about the relationship between Steve Carell and Keira Knightley. I feel like they have zero chemistry. And I, and that bothers me. Now, the romantic part of me is like, well, this is awesome because these people, this is the only time they could have met during this disaster. And if they could have only met earlier, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's like... Everything is coming together. This is their moment. It just happens to be the end of the world. But I love that, you know, and I love the fact that he sends her off, you know, to to go see her parents. He's, he sacrifices that. He's going to be alone and she shows up at the end. I love that stuff. But mm-hmm. even when they're laying in bed at the end, I just don't see a chemistry between them. And that bothers me. I feel the exact same way. And I feel the same way, too. And, and so here's I want to this has a little asterisk with it. It is my best pick. But I don't think it's the best movie. Like, I don't, I'm not gushing over this movie as I would some of my other best picks, you know. Of Meteor movies, this is probably the better example. And the, the reason why is because as it becomes a trend on our, on our show, that the best pick always has a deeper rooted meaning than what the surrounding plot or genre is about. So, I mean, this one is about the end of the world. It's about a meteor coming to the world. and it. But it's really about these two characters meeting. And also, in a grander scheme, it's about how people um, cope with death, basically. Cope with their mortality. And that's the other thing I do really like about this movie. Spoiler alert, but this meteor hits. Yeah. It's not a happy ending. It does, right. It's not avoided. Yeah. It's, it's and you know, a disaster. And, and, the, and the great thing about it, too, it doesn't show... It, it keeps it It keeps it keeps very tight, or it keeps it very close to you, because it doesn't show you know, what happens when the meteor hits and how it destroys New York or Paris or you know the millions of people that are running away from the tidal wave or anything like that. It, it, when the meteor hits, you hear like a rumbling, and then everything just gets really bright and white, and then... Well, and more specifically, you were seeing almost Steve Carell's perspective of Keira Knightley. You're seeing his last image as alive, right? Exactly. And he's seeing the white light behind her as the meteor's hitting, and the you know the shockwave of it's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. So that's literally the last seconds of their life. Yeah. What he's seeing, and he's happy in that moment. Yeah. Well, which I, is great. Mm-hmm. I love the. I love Steve. I think Steve Carell is such a great actor. I do too. Me too. I mean, obviously, a lot of people do because he was just nominated. For mm-hmm. the big short, but I think he's just—he is such an incredible actor. He can, because he—he can—he can put down his um, his funny guard. He doesn't always have to be funny man, but he's always likable. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But and but when he's not liking uh, uh, Fox Foxcatcher, Foxcatcher, he's not likable. I mean, he's 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 just a great actor. But he does a really good job in this. Is that he's he's the straight guy throughout the whole thing. Uh, but yet he's still just lovable and fun. I like Keira Knightley in it too. I think that I think she overplays the quirky character sometimes. Yeah. But but I, and that's what I'm saying. I like both of them, and I like both of them in this movie. But 
I don't know, and I don't think it's just an age thing, but I don't know why they don't have chemistry. Like, I just don't accept the fact that they love each other. Yeah. I, I feel the right? same way, Charles. I, I don't even feel like they'd be friends. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, do you? No. What? No. It, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I, I was going to say that, um, to be honest, I don't think they should have romantically gotten together. I think that the movie really, I, I think it would have been a better movie if they hadn't, if they just had that connection, just a connection of, hey, the world is ending and we're in proximity to each other. Let's kind of get through this together. Uh, honestly, here's here's how I would have done it. If I would have written the movie, I love the first act. I really like a lot of the second act. And I like the tension that builds between them. Up until the, to the point where he um, drops off the letter. At Does he even drop off the letter? I don't know if he drops off the letter. But when he, when he decides not to see his high school sweetheart and gets back in the car with her... I think from that point on, he should have said, gone to his dad's house, him reconcile with his dad, him put her in the plane. He should have kissed her on the forehead and said something instead of you're the love of my life. I think he should have said, it was really great. I'm so glad I met you or I'm so glad that you came into my life or something like that and just walked out. And then even her come back, but not come back as like, I need you in my life. You know, just like, I don't. I, I want to, this is where I want to be. You know, I don't want to be anywhere else. And honestly, they could have been lying in bed together. That would have been fine. I think it would have been better since she had such a love for music and he was lying there listening to her records. I know there's no electricity. If they were lying on the floor and talking and then he starts asking, they're like, what are some more of your favorite records? And sing me one of you. We don't have any music, but sing me one of your favorite songs. And like, he's trying to distract her mm-hmm. like, Maybe she's kind of, no, 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 keep singing, keep singing. Well, he kind of did that anyway when he started asking her more and more about her family. He was kind right. of doing that. But I wish that he had, he had, but instead, instead of a romantic, like, I love you, just, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been. That I think been a... that would have been a stronger mm-hmm. but, And I agree with you. But I also think when he said, you're the love of my life, it's really because his life has kind of been wasted. Like, it's kind of a sad, almost yeah. pathetic thing for him. Right, because he didn't follow up on a high school sweetheart. The lady he did marry bandaged him the first sign of trouble right there, you mm-hmm. know. She's gone. So he really hasn't had a love. Like Keira Knightley's character may be the only person that's stuck with him, you know, and potentially. So I mean, you could kind of take it both ways. It just may be this kind of sad thing, even if it's true. But again, I I don't know if all these good things, I don't know why it didn't connect for me. Do you think a different cast would have it, would, if they were more age appropriate together, would it have been better? I think I think so. I actually think it would have been a better movie either way, as Micah just described it about their relationship. But I think the romance could have worked if it was a different couple. Who Who would you take out in the couple? Yeah, I was gonna ask Steve Carell or Keira Knightley. Keira Knightley. I, I think would too. she was yeah. the problem. I mean, it's not nothing against her. I think no, she no. did. I think she did the character well, and I like her. But I think for that role, yeah, it's in. It should have been somebody that Audrey Hepburn, <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck. Well, yes, a thousand times yes. But I think it should have been somebody God. that was a little more on par with uh, Steve Carell. Maybe somebody like um, Kristen Wiig. You know, she can well, do the dramatic. I was going to say that, but then Anchorman Two, I didn't like them as a couple in that oh, one. Yeah. So it's like. That see okay, I have y'all. Charles is gonna make fun of me for this, but Mike, have you seen the movie Dan in Real Life? 
No. I'm not going to make fun of you. I like that movie a lot. Okay. Well, you were you were hating on it the other day. I but, was? Never mind. No, but so um, what's her name in that movie? Juliette Binoche? Yeah. So I think somebody like that, somebody who's closer to his age, who is who has the same like sweet kind of dorky, quirky, uh-huh. genuineness, somebody who's more cute and less... Uh, Keira Knightley to me just always has this kind of elusive high fashion perfume commercial look about her and i know what you mean yeah the 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 character she acted it really well but it just didn't seem i don't like i don't know why she was cast in that it just doesn't seem like a good fit yeah i don't know what it is exactly but yeah no i agree with you like i said it's not a it's the best example of the genre let me say a, a couple of things about it too that i wrote down here um you know who one of my favorite characters is like I said, this movie is about coping with mortality, and some people, you know, like Steve Carell is just kind of walking around aimlessly. Some people are just going extravagant, you know, throwing these elaborate parties, and you know, like the couple he goes to, all right, who, we've we've got the heroine, who's ready to do <laughs> heroin? you know, then going all out. I love his maid. His maid is so great yeah. because. She's just still doing her life, even though she knows. And he even says to her, what are you doing here? You know, he's like saying, don't come to work anymore. And and she's just, no, this this is what I want to be doing. Yeah, he's like, go home to your family. And then at the end, she's like, see you next week. So I'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. Did you notice, okay, uh, and and this is because I recently watched Deep Impact, but one of the news anchors from Deep Impact, MSNBC news anchor, he was the same same actor that played the news anchor for this movie. Oh, I didn't know that, but I liked yeah. his scene when he signed off at the. end. That know. is my favorite line in the movie. Actually, he says it's because it, it it sums it up. There's so much to this to this line. He says, "Well, NASA uh, overcalculated their uh, time, uh, and it's not going to be 24 hours until the meteor gets here. It's actually going to be 14 hours, and the countdown changes to 14." And also remember tonight is daylight savings time. Yeah. So reset your clocks. <laughs> I just, I love that. That sums up the absurdity of like, you know, life is still, people are still trying to like have their normal lives. It's, it's, it's wonderful. There's so much to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I really, I agree with you, Micah, that this is a good movie. That the only thing is the Keira Knightley, Steve Carell thing. Aside from that, there's so many great things but about it. But that's a big part of it, though. It's hard, it, it, it is, is hard to overlook. It yeah. is. It's it hard is. to overlook, and I, you know, it, it is, but there and are... And I almost, I almost didn't pick it because of that, but the underlying... I mean, the fact that you never see a meteor in it, that's great. Yeah. Just the... Because it's the perspective of Earth. It's not the perspective of what is the government and NASA and astronauts and what are they doing. It's what are regular human beings doing during this time. You never see it at all you only hear it when it hits uh and also there's no science to to muddy up it's It's a very fresh take on a on a subject that's been done a lot of times right exactly Mm -hmm. so anyway cool well these were good meteor movies great well guys thanks for listening and uh i'm getting the eye over here i don't know what he's looking at me so much for (laughs) Well, I was I was actually looking at you because I thought it was your pick, but actually we because of the big announcement back in February, um, Kelly, we're we're going back to you. We are indeed. 
Yep, and I think it's gonna it's good. We're gonna get back to the regular cycle. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly, we're jumping over to you. Kelly, what are your picks for our next show? All right. So my next picks are Betty Davis movies, um, and they are as follows. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Yes. Okay. Chronologically, All About Eve from 1950. Oh, I messed that up. I was gonna say chronologically. <laughs> I, started, I started. Reverse chronologically. Yeah, started, let's, do, let's do that. Go ahead. I, it doesn't even work that way either. This doesn't bode well from the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, what? I thought she was popular before that. Okay, let me try that again. <laughs> so she didn't chronolo- her stride until 1950. Go ahead. Sex debt. Sex debt forever. Um, okay, the movie Jezebel <laughs> from 1938. All about Eve from 1950. <laughs> And Dead Ringer from 1964. That's right, folks. Another Dead Ringer. Did, Another we, just, dead did ringer. we just review that? And you hate it? Different one without the S. Is Jeremy Irons in it? No, he is not. But there is a diabolical twin trickery. Oh, man. So, really? No. Oh. <laughs> Buckle up. Oh, boy. So. Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. We got Betty Davis eyes yes. on the next episode of the Good Bad Podcast. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening to us. You can uh, follow us on Facebook. It's just awesome. And also on Twitter at Good Bad Podcast. And I guess you can check us out on Here and There. Still doing that. Yeah, the our Here and There episode over or mini series over Batman is still going. Uh, we just have a few more uh, left. And uh, then uh, there's something on the horizon we're working on. We're excited to tell you more about it later. Stay yeah, tuned. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to uh, like us, a comment on uh, iTunes, and uh, follow us on Twitter. Yep. yep. Have a good one. Bye.